we are the descendants of 40 million people who left other countries, other familiar scenes, to come here to the United States to build a new life. I think it is not a burden, but a privilege. Welcome to Statutes of Liberty, an immigration podcast brought to you by Classco Immigration Law Partners. Welcome to our podcast, EB5, during the COVID pandemic. My name is Anu Nair, and I'm here with a managing partner of our firm, Ron Clasco, and with a senior counsel, um, Karuna Simbak. Today, we're going to be discussing EB5 over the course of the last year, how COVID has impacted the investors, the projects, how the executive orders that came about after the pandemic started have impacted EB-5 and what we can expect in the future once the pandemic is dying down or once um, Biden goes into office. So to start off with, Karuna, I'm going to turn to you. If you can give me some insight on what type of questions you're getting from investors on, you know, the pandemic and how it's impacting people who have already um, invested in projects and are either in the 526 stage, waiting for their consulate interview or adjustment, or even at their 829. Sure. And so, you know, the first question everyone asks is, hey, there's an executive order that, um, you know, and there's an immigrant visa ban. Uh, How am I impacted? And I tell them the good news is, while there's a lot of people who are subject to that immigrant visa ban, EB-5 is exempt. So, you know, we're in a good place where uh, EB-5 is exempt. But guess what? Even though EB-5 is exempt, the reality is, is that the consulate uh, is not um, conducting those interviews or issuing any immigrant visas. So we've tried to reach out to the consulate and say, EB-5 is exempt, please schedule our clients for an interview. And generally the response that we get back is, you know, the executive order, just stock language, here's the executive order, blah, blah, blah. And so we've gone back and said, well, thank you, but we know EB-5 is exempt, so we should, um, our client should be able to get an immigrant visa interview. And that's when they'll come back and say, well, um, we're not, uh, we haven't resumed our normal business operations. Um, and part of EB-5 immigrant visa is business op- regular business operations. And so we can't schedule an interview. So, you know, we've had to struggle with the fact that the EB-5 is exempt. The reality is the consulates are just not prepared to um, issue those immigrant visas um, because of the pandemic. Are there any exemptions or exceptions that investors can use to try to schedule the visa appointments? Because I know that consulates have been scheduling appointments if there are emergencies or if there's humanitarian reasons. Has that worked for EB-5 investors? So um, I can't recall trying a case because that's a really high bar. So one of um, the few exceptions are if you have a U.S. child or a U.S. parent, uh, a U.S. citizen parent, um, or if there's a national interest exception. So, you know, if, if you're a physician or you're a nurse or you're going to contribute somehow to COVID-19, 
then you can make a national interest exception. Um, we haven't tried that for consulate interviews because we just haven't had clients like that. But we've been able to use that to get our clients who have I-526 petitions pending. We've tried, we've got them expedites based on that they are frontline workers and are needed for this. And so it's important that they have EADs, green cards. So we've been able to expedite the initial I-526 petition based on that. Um, we've also had cases where uh, the green card application itself, we've, you know, we've made requests for expedites while the expedites uh, have been granted and they've indicated that they will get back to the client within 45 days. The reality is that it's not actually happening. So, you know, while they, they explain that, you know, you've got these exceptions and, and um, if you meet the national interest, we'll, we'll consider your application. The truth is they're just not able, able to meet the demand that there is. Right. And so one of the things that I've noticed is at the start of the pandemic, when we tried to get expedites for adjustment applications, USCIS would would adjudicate those pretty quickly. And there were a handful that got adjudicated within, you know, a couple of months of requesting the expedite. Recently, however, what I'm finding is that they're expediting the EAD cards. So they, they have unrestricted work authorizations, but the adjustment applications are still pending and they're refusing to expedite those as well. And I think the longer we get into this pandemic, the harder it is going to be to get those expedites for the investors. Even if we get them, we have to deal with the quarantine issues, right? I mean, if the assuming the, the people get uh, are able to get an expedite, get an appointment, um, if they're from China, if they're from Brazil, if they're from uh, Schengen, uh, yeah. the various countries that, are, that have 14-day uh, quarantine requirements, uh, after, am I right that after they get the visas, they would still have to find a country that mm -hmm. will accept them that, you know, where they wouldn't be quarantined from getting into that country. And then they would have to be there for 14 days before they could use their EB-5 visa and the U.S. Yeah. So the um, immigrant visa, non-immigrant visa bans are expire on December 31st of this year. But the visas, uh, the bans related to COVID, so the travel bans related to COVID based on kind of large um, booms of, of uh, COVID, um, that does not expire. So that can go into January. So even if, let's say, um, for China right now, that they can potentially extend that ban um, until COVID is completely over. And it certainly is very possible that the new president will not be in any rush to right. get rid of the of the quarantines from certain countries. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm I'm Biden yet, President elect Biden hasn't put anything on his website related to the travel bans um for COVID, but I would expect that yeah, he's probably not going to pick this up on day one or even week one. There's probably a number of other things for him to take care of. What about adjustment applications? You mentioned briefly that USCIS was expediting them um, before or were expediting the EADAPs. Has there been any movement on getting fingerprinted or if anyone needs to be scheduled for an interview? How's that happening? We're seeing long processing times. 
uh, and we're seeing inconsistencies. So some of this has to do with um, the application support centers where people get uh, fingerprinted. Um, for EADs and APs, um, generally you have to get a fingerprint. Um, in some cases, USCIS said they were, they were going to reuse fingerprints, um, but for cases where they were not reusing fingerprints, those cases are taking longer at some support centers just because of the uh, a high number of COVID cases in that state. So we have seen some cases which were approved, uh, which were fingerprinted, and the EADs and APs were approved within four months, but that's a very small number. I am seeing right now, I am seeing cases that we have filed adjustment of status applications back in March and April, and only now they're getting fingerprinted and their EADs, APs. So, you know, that, that itself is taking so long. Um, we used to, mostly before the pandemic, the EB-5 green cards used to be issued within six to eight months. Um, the EAD APs used to be issued within three months. But since the pandemic, it has been all over the place. We saw that there was a brief time, um, March to the May timeframe, when um, USCIS was not conducting any in-person appointments. Uh, it almost felt like all the officers had time to focus on processing the applications. And so we were seeing, um, you know, cases, adjustment applications that had been filed last year and mid to late last year were getting green cards in the summer. And so that was pretty quick. Um, and then once the um, USCIS officers started resuming normal operations and more in-person appointments, we've again seen a significant slowdown in the processing of um, these applications, EAD, AP cards, um, green cards, whereas, you know, when you would file, so you, know, you would get requests for evidence for medical exams, you would file the response, and within two to three weeks, your green card would be issued. Now, if you file a response, it's been, you know, two months or three months, and we've still not seen um, green cards being issued. So the processing times are just longer across the board. Um, and we know that um, in the last couple of months, USCIS, you know, received a lot of green card applications. And so I think that's just going to add to the delays that we're already seeing because of the pandemic. So for um, investors who have already received their green cards, and they're getting ready to file their 829 petitions or have filed their 829 petition. How has COVID impacted them? Um, it, it's, been, it's, it's been the same thing because USCIS has, um, for COVID concerns, you know, they are also restricting um, operations. They are taking longer to accept these applications and issue receipt notices. So for 829 applications, the receipt notice is really important because once your green card expires, um, the 829 receipt notice is proof of your resident status. Um, traditionally, it used to take four to six weeks for USCIS to issue a receipt notice, which helped people to, you know, for, uh, for to apply for driver's licenses, for job verification, to be able to travel. Now we're seeing receipt notices taking um, anywhere close to two months. So that's creating a lot of um, hassle for people 
it's it's you know it, it's impacting their everyday lives. And so one of the things people try to do is apply for an InfoPass appointment to get an I-55I stamp in their uh, passports so they can show that they have, you know, that they have proof of residency. Those InfoPass appointments have been a nightmare to get. Um, there, was, there was a time where, you know, if you had to show it was an emergency and job loss was not an emergency, travel was not considered an emergency. So there was a, for a long time, USCS was not issuing those info pass appointments. And then they started, they started, um, they resumed some of uh, the services. And again, in the last couple of, last couple of months, I would say, we're seeing um, clients um, finding it difficult to get um, info pass appointments, which means they are, they don't have proof of um, residency. And if uh, if the employer asks them for I-9 verification, they won't have any documents to show them and they could potentially lose their jobs. So it's had, um, it's, you know, just the pandemic has has had um, has had quite an impact on people, um, not just, you know, processing times wise, but just even their everyday lives. So for investors who are trying to get a 551 stamp and they're not able to get an InfoPass appointment, they're in this weird situation where they're here legally, but they're technically undocumented because they don't have any documents to prove their status. And by law, green card holders are required to have proof of their green card status with them at all times. And by law, the government, USCIS, is required to give green card holders proof of their lawful status. So it, it definitely is something that um, has been impacting a lot of investors and worrisome. And so if there are investors who are seeking InfoPass appointments, remind USCIS that they're required by law to give them proof of status. So turning over to other worries for investors, you know, some investors who are still going through the 526 process or um, are waiting to file their 829 petitions are really worried about how the pandemic is impacting the project. So are projects sh shutting down for the time being? Do they have to be boarded up? Are, there, are they going to go bankrupt? And how that's going to impact them when they're either getting their green cards or their 829s. So Ron, can you take us through how the pandemic has impacted projects and what investors kind of should be looking for or can expect to see from these projects. Sure, Anu. So everything we're all seeing that is going on around us caused by the pandemic uh, is affecting businesses that our investor clients are investing in. Um, if a business closes down, that affects the investor. If a business cuts back its operations, that affects the investor. If a project, if you're a regional center investor in a, in a project where construction is delayed, which is most projects, that affects the investors. Um, if because of the pandemic, the business plan of the project has changed, that affects investors. So all of those things are happening every day around us, uh, and it certainly affects all of our investor clients. Now, there's, there's two different effects it has, right? One is if obviously if a business closes down, you may not get any of your money back. 
Uh, well, that's not what I'm really going to focus on today because I want to focus on the other issue, which is what is the impact on your immigration, on your getting your green card? Um, and there are two key issues in everything we're talking about that will affect whether you're ultimately going to get your green card. One is whether you have sustained your investment, you haven't gotten your money back. And two, whether the jobs actually were created. So let, let's play this out in, in a few different scenarios. Let's just say a project completely closes down. Um, either the, uh, the regional center project is just not going to go forward uh, and it, it's, it's done, or the, your own in business you invested in goes bankrupt because of the pandemic. Well, what happens? Um, surprisingly, it may be possible for you to get your your permanent green card, even if that happens, because number one, the investment you made was sustained, which means you didn't get it back by definition. And number two is it may be that before the project closed down or the business liquidated, it may be that the jobs were created. And it's very important, and we advise our, our clients of this all the time, is that the issue is not, are the jobs there now? The issue is, were the jobs created? And if they were created before the business closed down, we, are, we still may be able to get our, our clients the permanent green card. Well, how about delays? So this is a construction project that was supposed to take two years, and because of the pandemic, we've lost a year, uh, and it's gonna take three years. In most cases, that's going to be okay. Um, the way the process works and the fact that it's so slow before these cases get adjudicated, um, the fact that construction is delayed a year, in almost all cases, we will be able to achieve the desired benefits for our clients despite the construction delays. Um, with uh, what if there's layoffs and we know that you know let's say that we have a restaurant that our client invested in um and the restaurant the business plan for the restaurant uh is it was going to have 10 employees well despite the pandemic this restaurant has survived unlike a lot of them that have gone under this has survived but of course it's had a it, it business isn't what it was so it only is going to have five employees well, that can be a problem because in the end, if the, if the necessary jobs are not created, uh, our client is not going to be able to, uh, depending on where he is in the, in the process, if, if this has happened before he gets his conditional green card, it may affect his ability to get that. And if he gets the conditional green card, but in the end, the business is only going to have five employees, not 10, uh, he's not going to be able to get his conditions removed. That's different, as I said before, from a situation where the restaurant had 10 employees before the pandemic and now is cut back to five. That can be okay because, as I said, the restaurant had the necessary number of employees. Well, what about situations where the, the business plan changes? So this restaurant, there was supposed to be a dine-in restaurant, but because nobody can dine in because of, of COVID restrictions, uh, has turned into a catering business um, uh, or a takeout business. So it's a, a, a change in the business plan. 
And those cases get tricky because if the change in the business plan is considered a material change, uh, which does not have an exact definition, then our investor client can have a problem if the change occurred before the investor got the conditional green card. If it's a change in the business plan from the take from the dine-in restaurant to the catering business, and that occurs after the investor got the conditional green card, then we should be okay. If it occurs before our client got the conditional green card, then we have to try to show that, it that the change is not really material. And if we can't show that, then the government is likely to say, we can't approve the 526 because this is a whole di different business plan and you have to start all over again. So those are the kinds of issues that we're dealing with every day caused by the pandemic. In a lot of them, uh, yeah, we are able to still achieve the immigration objectives of our clients, despite the fact that the world around us has changed. Uh, and in some of those, it's more complicated. So, Ron, do you think it's likely or what, what do you think the chances are that USCIS will be a bit more lenient with any sort of changes to business plans? Um, during this COVID pandemic, especially if the business ends up going back, like in the example that you mentioned, a restaurant that ended up becoming a catering service during the pandemic and then pivots back to becoming or going through the um, following the business plan once the pandemic is over and we start functioning again as a society. Well, two different situations. If by the time the immigration service is looking at the application, the business has pivoted back, then I think we have a really good chance with that kind of case. If the business has not pivoted back and it's simply a change, uh, but it's not the fault of the investor, it's the fault of the pandemic. I have seen no signs yet that the immigration service is prepared to say, well, OK, under normal times, we would not approve that but because the change was caused by the pandemic, we will approve that. So I'm not real optimistic that that would happen. Yeah, and you know, with construction delays, uh, I think we can point to COVID and I think those are valid reasons. And you know, um, investors have two and a half years or a reasonable time um, to create the jobs. And it is, it's, it's a little frustrating that the current administration hasn't given guidance to all these investors who really want some clarity on how, um, you know, the COVID impacts are going to be hopefully mitigated by USCIS policy or adjudications policy. So as soon as we hear anything or we know anything, we'll definitely make a podcast or a blog about it. So stay tuned. But a, a number of questions I receive right now from investors or potential investors are, is this a good time for me to invest in EB-5, considering what's happening with COVID, considering the fact that a lot of businesses are, um, as Ron mentioned, either delayed right now or have to potentially change their business plans. Is this still a great time for me to become an EB-5 investor? And as always, my answer will be, it depends, right? It really depends on what you're trying to do, what goals you're trying to accomplish. Um, and 
at the end of the day, you have to do your due diligence into which project you are going to be investing in. Pre-COVID, we would say the same thing. You need to be able to do due diligence on the project. Um, immigration firms will certainly help, like ours will help with immigration due diligence, but you also have to do financial due diligence as an investor and make sure that this is a project that you're comfortable investing in. And as part of that financial due diligence, now there's the added sort of factor of, is this field or is this going, is this project going to be impacted by the COVID pandemic? How? And speaking to the projects about that until you have a comfort level. So in terms of whether or not this is a good time to invest in a project, that's going to be a personal decision and you'll have to consider those factors. But I can't talk about, you know, the cut and dry things like the processing times. What does this mean? What does COVID mean for my processing times now versus pre-COVID? Pre-COVID, EB-5 petitions or 526 petitions were still taking a couple of years to be adjudicated. And if your case was still in process after two years, our firm was filing mandamus applications in federal court to force USCIS to take action on the case. So weirdly, I don't think much has changed with COVID because processing times were already pretty long before COVID. I do certainly expect that we're going to see some extended delays. So maybe instead of two, two and a half years, we'll see two and a half to three years being the norm. But again, it's not much different than it was pre-COVID. What has changed right now are the cutoff numbers um, for visa allocations. So India had backlogged for EB-5 category. China had been backlogged for quite some time, as had Vietnam. Because of consulate closures overseas, not many immigrant visas were issued last fiscal year. So what ended up happening was that there are more visas available now than there have been in quite some time for EB-5. So investors are seeing that their visa cutoff dates are moving significantly. For Chinese investors, the numbers moved drastically. Um, for Indian investors, now they're all current, which means that if they get their 526 approved now, they're immediately eligible to apply for their green card if they're in the US or at least start the consular processing if they're overseas. Now, the caveat that I wanna make here is that I don't know how long India is going to stay current for EB-5 um, because once the consulates reopen, I don't know what the numbers are going to look like. I don't know how quickly the consulates will be able to schedule people for their visa interviews. So I do want to warn people that there could be a possibility for a retrogression at some point for India, possibly for China and Vietnam as well. But again, these visa cutoffs had already been established pre-COVID. The only difference post-COVID is that the numbers have moved up and there's a possibility of a corrective action that needs to be taken probably in the next couple of years. So, there are a lot of things to consider if you are interested in EB-5, but again, EB-5 remains a great option, an opportunity for investors who are otherwise backlogged um, in other categories. And some categories, they have a multi-decade wait, and they're not expecting that for EB-5. 
But as with any other visa categories, there are a number of factors that you have to take into consideration and do your due diligence on before deciding if this is the right option for you. And part of that is to gain as much knowledge as you can um, about these processes, including by subscribing to our um, podcast, going online to um, our website and subscribing to our client alerts. Well, thank you so much, Karuna and Ron, for being available for this podcast. Um, for everyone listening, we hope you give us a five-star rating and a review. And if you have any recommendations or suggestions or questions that you'd like answered, please email us at podcast at classicallaw.com and definitely sign up and follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Thank you all for listening. For more information, visit us at classicallaw.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can email your immigration questions to podcast at classicallaw.com. The material contained in this podcast does not constitute direct legal advice and is for informational purposes only. An attorney-client relationship is not presumed or intended by receipt or review of this presentation. The information provided should never replace informed counsel when specific immigration-related guidance is needed.